Spending a lot of time talking about uh, the body of Christ, we've been addressing the thought of the pastoral search process. Spent a lot of quality time uh, a couple weeks ago praying for our nation and remember we just had a, a special prayer time together. I thought we might approach things a little differently this morning and just take a little break. What I mean by that, let's simply look at our own hearts and lives in a, what I would say in a personal way today. Uh, I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn with me to 2 Peter chapter 1, if you would please. We're going to take a few moments today and look inside. Uh, I want us to get real, honest with each other, especially ourselves for a few moments today. While you're turning, this is a song that has been sung often by a man by the name of Jason Crabb. His father wrote this song. They, they were gospel singers. It goes like this. I look the part, and I work hard to blend in with the rest of the church crowd. I mean, I know the routine, and I pack a list of all the Bible studies around town. I watch Christian TV. I know the preachers, and I know all their cliches. I mean, I've been born again, and without a doubt, I know I'm saved. But sometimes I hurt. And sometimes I cry. And sometimes I can't get it right, no matter how hard I seem to try. Sometimes I fall down and I stumble over my own disguise. I try to look strong as the whole world looks on. But the truth is, sometimes alone, I cry. I try to speak of faith. I never want to give that old devil an inch to get in. I worship and I praise and I let everybody know just where I stand. And on the back of my four-wheel drive Chevy is a fish and a cross for the whole world to see. And I know my God is good all of the time. There's no doubt for me. But sometimes I hurt. Sometimes I cry. And sometimes I can't get it right, no matter how hard I try. Sometimes I fall down, and I stumble over my own disguise. I try to look strong as the whole world looks on. But the truth is, sometimes... When I'm alone, I cry. You know, I can identify with that simple song. Can you? Is there anything in your heart and life that if you could change it, you'd, you'd try to do it? Something that you want to desperately conquer in your life? I mean, is there something that you wish was really different about you, different about your personality and kind of your makeup as a person? I mean, are you an obsessive person? Do you struggle with that? Are you a critical person, a judgmental person? Do you struggle with that? Do you happen to be proud and strong-willed and stubborn in your personality? Do you struggle with an addictive personality? Have a lack of control over yourself? 
could you be a very selfish person? Is it always and always will be about you? Are you a worrier? Are you a procrastinator? Are you easily discouraged? Are you one who gives in or gives up quite easily and often? I want to remind you there's hope for you. There's hope for me. That's what the Apostle Peter, I believe, is addressing in the passage we're going to look at today in 2 Peter chapter 1. Peter's writing here, it's his second letter to a number of folks. I'll just look back, you don't have to, but as he wrote his first letter, he said, I'm Peter, an apostle of Christ, to God's elect, who are strangers in the world, scattered throughout, and he names a number of places, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and so forth. Well, then in 2 Peter 1, verse 1, he says, I'm Simon Peter, a servant, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And I'm writing to those who, through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have received a faith as precious as ours. Just a reminder here. The faith that those folks had that he was writing to is the same faith that Peter had. And by the way, it's the same faith you have and I have this morning if we know Jesus as our personal Savior. He's reminding us that we've received a faith as precious as Peter's. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of our Jesus, our Lord. He says in verse 3, His divine power, in other words, God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him, Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature. That's what we're going to talk about in a moment, is you and I participating in the divine nature that God has given us. Because it's in that that we can escape the corruption in the world that's caused by evil desires. For this very reason, he said, Make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control. To self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness love. Then he reminds us, if you and I possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, but if anyone does not have them, he's nearsighted and blind and he's forgotten. He's been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never fall and you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, Let's take a, a few minutes and kind of gear up by looking at the background of what Peter is saying today. If you have a bulletin or know someone next to you that does, get over close to them because in the bulletin is a simple little outline you can follow and look at. Uh, if you don't have your Bible, there should be one uh, in the back of the chair in front of you. If you'd open that up to 2 Peter chapter 1, we're going to be in that passage today. The background is the Apostle Peter, 
one of the 12 that Jesus called to himself, one of the apostles that the Lord trained and taught uh, much of what we know about the church and other things and how to live our lives as calm as Peter uh, and the Spirit of God wooed him and directed him and he penned First and Second Peter. So Peter's addressing believers. He's written to them previously, remember. This is his second letter. They're Jewish people, most of them, and some Gentiles are mixed in, and they make up a number of churches in the surrounding area. Peter was a pastor, shepherd at heart. He was called of the Lord. He was a champion of what I would say, a champion of the truth, a champion of the faith. Uh, he wasn't always like that. There was a time in Peter's life when he denied the Lord Jesus Christ. There was a time when Peter went back to his old ways and his old habits. Matter of fact, he pretty well gave up on it all. Reference to a spiritual journey. He was really struggling. But the Holy Spirit did a major work in Peter's heart and life. And now Peter is making an impassioned plea, really, to folks like you and I. This is close to 2,000 years ago as he writes this. I realize that. But as he makes the impassioned plea to them, he's also doing it to you and I. For believers like us, he's making a plea that we understand that God wants to do a similar major work in our hearts and lives just like he did in Peter's. That God wants to challenge you and I to make every effort to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, just like Peter was challenged to do. And what God expected of Peter and what God did in Peter is exactly what God expects of you and I and longs to do in your heart and life in my heart and life. Look closely again at verse 1. As Peter writes, he says, I'm writing to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as mine, as ours, he's saying. It's a reminder to us that if you know Christ as your personal Savior, Anybody saved this morning? Well, you got there the same way Peter did. That's how I got there too. By the grace of God, putting our faith and trust in Jesus and his finished work upon the cross of Calvary. Just like Peter, uh, you and I have been given a divine nature. And that divine nature, God wants you and I to use and build upon and participate with God as we walk through our earthly life and journey. Let's develop that thought. Go with me to verse 3. It says that God's divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Through these, He's given us His very great and precious promises so that through them, you and I may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Uh, we're going to look at what it is that, that Peter's challenging you and I to make every effort to build in and upon in our hearts and lives. We'll get there in just a moment. But let's remind ourselves of how this all plays out. Let's remind ourselves how we got to where we are today as believers in him. 
the Lord Jesus. Let's look at the story of life from creation to redemption. We can do that in just a couple minutes. All right? Go back to Genesis 1, 26 and 27, where God said, on the sixth day of creation, we're going to make man in our image. The Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, no doubt, are the R, O-U-R, being talked about. He said, let's create man. Let's make man. We're going to create him in our image. The divine nature of God is going to be a part of this whole process of creating man. Mankind is going to be the crown of God's created beings. Above all angels, animals, or any created thing, anything that you and I can think or feel or reason, we have a mind, emotion, and a will. There's no other being out there like you or me, like mankind. We were made in the image of God. I believe, I don't think I'm going out on a limb to be able to say that I believe with all my heart, I hope you do too, that Adam and Eve were created in such a way that they had a relationship with God. They had access to God. They were alive spiritually. They were created in a sense with a divine nature. That's how they were created. That's how God made them. He did that on purpose. He wanted a oneness between Adam and Eve in him. Satan came, tempted Adam and Eve in the garden, and man fell into sin. Sin which caused man, Adam and Eve, to lose, to die to that divine nature within that had been created within them, and as a result of that sin, they no longer had the ability to have fellowship or intimate communion with God. It was impossible because of sin and disobedience. They were doomed Spiritually, They had no spiritual hope. In other words, as it says in verse 4 here, talking about what God longs to happen in our lives, He wants that to happen so that through those precious promises He gives us, we may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world that's caused by evil desires. Early on in Adam and Eve's life, There wasn't the evil. There wasn't the corruption in the evil desires. But sin caused that to happen. They were doomed with no hope. But you and I look back, as in the Old Testament, they look forward to the redemption at the cross where the Lord Jesus, he who knew no sin, became sin for you and for me. He brought mankind back from or out of the slave market of sin, the spiritual bondage we found ourselves in. How could all this happen? Well, that's this precious faith that Peter's talking about here as he writes these letters. We as human beings now have access through the righteousness of God and the finished work of the Lord Jesus, our Savior. We have access through grace. By grace, through faith. That divine nature that was taken away, that was lost through sin, is the same divine nature that the believer now has regained by grace through faith in Christ. We were not capable of Christ-likeness and Christ-like character until we put our faith in Christ. And it's not something that God only desires for us 
but he expects us to build on that divine nature that's there. That's what I believe Peter's talking about when he said, let's participate. Let's participate with God. So that through them, verse 4, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. I think this is Peter's challenge to us through his word. Make every effort to add to the foundation who's Christ that's been laid. The divine nature is there if you're a believer this morning. That which was not there in our sinful condition, dead in our trespasses and sin, is now alive in us. We have access to that relationship with God. We have the Spirit of God indwelling within us. There's great spiritual hope in us and available to us through an intimate relationship with God. And we're to make every effort, it says in verse 5, to add to that foundation that we have, add some godly character traits. Because if we possess these qualities that Peter's talking about in an increasing measure in our life, they will make us effective and productive, not only in our knowledge of God, but also in our knowledge of what God desires and expects of those who make up his church. Isn't this an amazing story? I mean, it, it's amazing to me that I can participate in God's divine nature. So can you. If you and I know the Lord is our personal Savior this morning, we are so blessed. Amen? There's a song that says we are so blessed. And we certainly are. Well, how do you and I participate with God in all this? Um, I want us to take a moment and go to Ephesians chapter 2. Would you go there with me? If you can't get there, listen closely. Because this is the Apostle Paul in some way sharing with us something similar that Peter has shared when he wrote to those he was addressing. But Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, he said, there was a time that we were dead in our transgressions, trespasses, and sin. He said, we used to live that way. When we followed the ways of the world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, talking about the devil, the spirit who now is at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our own sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. I mean, this is how we came into the world. Hopeless, spiritually dead, with no access to a personal relationship with God. Nothing we could do about it. He said, like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. That's the way it was. But, what a key word, right? But because of God's great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. You see, it's by grace that you and I have been saved, right? And God raised us up with Christ. He seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you and I have been saved through faith, 
Not of ourselves, it's the gift of God. It's not by works. I mean, we can't boast. We didn't do anything. We are God's workmanship. You and I, this very moment, we're his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God has prepared in advance for you and I to do. So let's go back to 2 Peter. Pull out your list there, would you? What I want us to do is to take a, a few moments here and look at the qualities that God not only desires to see in our lives now that we know him, now that we have access to him, have a personal relationship with him. The divine power, it says, verse 3, has been given. And you and I have, as a result of that, everything needed to be what God desires you and I to be and what he expects from those who claim his name. God desires to see these traits developed in our life, these Christ-like qualities that reflect him and display to the world around us, not only to brothers and sisters in Christ, but to the world who doesn't know him. You see, those qualities reflect God and our relationship to him. What are those qualities? Well, when you look at verse 5 and begin to pick it up, and I listed them for you, let's just take a few moments and look down through them. First of all, it says God desires and expects to see goodness in the life of his children. And if you know him, God expects that in you and in me. What is goodness? Well, it represents excellent character. It means turning away from sinful choices. Uh, we didn't have that capability without the divine nature. We were dead with no hope. But we're now spiritually alive. And we're to participate with God in that divine nature. And we're to make proper and wise choices. We're to display a character which is Christ-like and pleasing to him. That's what he means by goodness. Knowledge? Well, you and I need to be able to understand the truths of the faith, the basics of the word of God. You see, all scripture was given by God. He gave it on purpose because that's where the teaching, the doctrine that we're supposed to know and act upon, that's where we find it. Uh, it came from God to us. And when you and I see the teaching and we, we struggle, he instructs us in his word as well. The basics are laid out, then he instructs us. And if you're anything like me, there's times where that instruction isn't enough and you have to be corrected. Well, you find that in scripture too. It says the doctrine was given, the instruction, that's part of the purpose of giving that doctrine. And also instruction, correction, but then there's times where as his children, there's times where you and I need to be reproved. And there's reproof there. And he drives that home to our hearts and lives. Because you see, uh, what we're doing is participating with God in that divine nature that he's given us. Yes, we're saved by grace through faith. 
But God wants us now to begin to die to self and, and allow the Word of God and the Spirit of God to accomplish what He sent it forth to do. And then there's self-control. That's the discipline to restrain one's desires and to follow through on doing what is right even when it's difficult to do so. I thought it might be good for us to be able to have something to take home with us. And it's in Scripture, but it's kind of laid out very simply for us in our outline. God expects self-control from His children. He also wants you and I to persevere. That's the ability to continue moving forward, or if necessary, just simply to stand. That's what's so powerful about the armor of God. Outside of the sword of the Spirit, there is no offensive weapon. What we're supposed to do is just take it and stand there, armored up in who God is and what He's given and what He makes available. Persevering is the ability to either move forward or simply stand one's ground despite suffering and opposition. You see, Peter's saying, we can participate and should participate in this divine nature that we have. Do you realize what you and I have in God? It's more than a fire escape from hell, isn't it? But do you see what the expectations of God are for you and I as his children? Do you see his desire for us as believers? Do you see why he wants you and I to participate with him in this divine nature that he's given? Do you see why he gives the world the right to judge whether you and I really are his children or not? Or really judge if Jesus came from glory or not to save a lost world? By how you and I as believers cooperate and work together and exemplify what it means to have that divine nature within? Godliness. That's doing good deeds toward others. Acts of piety towards God. That was impossible until I came to know Christ as my personal Savior. Now it's not only a desire of God for me, but He expects me to be godly in how I live my life. Brotherly kindness, that's mutual affection. Kindness towards others. Desperately needed in our world today. Love. He's not talking about a, a physical love so much. He's talking about an unconditional love, agape, sacrificial kind of love that you would find in 1 Corinthians 13. It's displayed and written there for us. That kind of love just doesn't fail. It's kind, it's caring, compassionate. It's Christ-like. It's where that kind of love comes from. So I've got a question for you this morning as I question my own heart. Do you see yourself in this list at all? Would you take a moment and think it through? Where are you on this list this morning? I think ring a bell as we walk down through it. Do you have any work to do? You might say, you know, this, this is totally overwhelming. Well, it is to me too. But if it was impossible, Peter wouldn't be telling us this. There's a cooperation that goes on. 
Who are we cooperating with? God, the divine nature he's given us. These are God's desires and expectations. I told you at the beginning we'd do something a little different today. We're not talking so much about the health of the body of CCC. We're just kind of going inside a little bit, personally. We're not looking across the aisle today. We're looking within, aren't we? We're doing a little homework today. Uh, got a challenge for you. Don't let it overwhelm you. Realize that's God's desire for you, and God's not going to ask you and I to do something. He's not going to expect something from you and I or desire something from you and I if he hasn't made it possible for it to be done. That's, that's the kind of God we have. When he asks us to do something, believe me, we're capable of doing it, not in our own strength, but in that divine power and divine nature that God has made available. So I'd encourage you to choose one of these things that you're struggling with. Go to work on it. The best way to go to work on it is not try to do it yourself. I've tried that. It doesn't work. The best way to go to work on it is to die to Joe Gerken, die to myself, and let the Spirit of God do the work in and through me. You know, we work at things so hard, we wonder why we can't get it done. This is supernatural stuff. This is divine nature kind of thing. That's why the Spirit of God is given. That's what he means, in a sense, by participating in this divine nature. Take one of these qualities. Pick one out that you may struggle with and say, Lord, show me, teach me. Bring about what's necessary to cause me to grow in this area. And then choose another one. And then choose another one. It's what God desires. It's what he expects. I mean... I've got all these down. No, not at all. You know, I, I struggle, folks, with self-control. Maybe you don't. You'd say, well, why do you struggle with that? I don't. Well, I do. I struggle with self-control. Let me go back to it for a moment. That's the discipline to restrain one's desires and to follow through on doing what is right, even when it's difficult to do. Um, I struggle with that. It's a character trait that I just can't conquer myself. It's amazing what God will do and can do if I'll die to self and let him work. I struggle with perseverance. Do you? That's the ability to continue moving forward or just simply standing my ground. Because I don't like to suffer. Maybe you do. I don't. I don't like to suffer, and I don't like to be opposed. I don't like the opposition. Do you? So it's hard just to stand sometimes. Very difficult to move forward at times. So I struggle. I struggle. 
And that's what I'd ask you to do. What is it that's missing in your life or that you struggle with? Choose it. Have God go to work in your heart and life. You'd say, why would I want to do that? Well, go with me to verse 8, would you please? If anyone does not have these qualities, he's nearsighted and he's blind, and he's forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. You want to know why so many people struggle with eternal security and wonder if they've ever been saved or not? Here we are. That's exactly what this is saying. When these qualities are not there, when you cannot look at your life and see godliness and see God at work, if you don't continue to see growth in your life, you begin to wonder if you even know who He is. That's why folks struggle. That's what it says here. It says in verse 6, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if anyone does not have them, he's nearsighted and he's blind. He's struggling. He's even blind to who he is. He's forgotten that he's been cleansed from his past sins. Therefore, my brothers, be all the more eager to make your calling and election sure. Why? Why would he say this? He's saying it because if you and I do these things, we won't fall. We won't fall. You know, if we make every effort to grow in these qualities and let God do the work, you'll never question your faith or your eternal security. You won't. But if we're lacking in our growth, if we're stagnant or backsliding, we begin to wonder if we even know who he is. We're not sure that we're saved, that we're his children. But he also goes on to say that you and I will be steadfast and sure in our walk down here if these qualities are in place. And not only that, but we'll be grateful for our obedience and the efforts made through all eternity. When we get home to glory, we'll be so glad. David Jeremiah, I just found this out the other day. I got, I got a little email that helped me understand that David Jeremiah, I appreciate him. He's, he's my age. Uh, in a way, he's kind of from my background and someone I could identify with in a lot of ways. But... Uh, I'm not a David Jeremiah by no means, as you know, but David Jeremiah has written a new book. It's based on this passage of Scripture. I haven't read it yet. I didn't get the message from there, but I, I'm going to get the book. You know what's entitled? Everything, everything we need. That's exactly what the passage says. That God, because of that divine nature, and the power that God has given us, we have, in a sense, everything we need to be able to accomplish what God desires and what God expects. Now let's go back to where we started. I look the part, do you? I mean, I'm dressed up with a sport coat and a white shirt this morning. I, I look the part, don't I? I work hard to blend 
in with the rest of the church crowd. I mean, I know the routine. I mean, I got a list of all the Bible studies around town. Some of us attend a lot of those. I mean, I watch Christian TV. Do you? I mean, I am a preacher, so I know the preachers and all their cliches. I've been born again. And without a doubt, I know I'm saved. But sometimes I hurt. Sometimes I cry. And sometimes I can't get it right, no matter how hard I seem to try. Sometimes I fall down and stumble over my own disguise. I try to look strong as the whole world looks on. But the truth is, sometimes alone, I cry. I try to speak of faith, and I never want to give that old devil an inch to get in. I mean, I worship, I praise, I let everybody know just where I stand. I don't have a four-wheel drive Chevy, but if I did, on the back of it would be a fish and a cross for the whole world to see, right? I mean, I know my God is good. He's good all of the time. That's not a doubt for me. But sometimes I hurt, and sometimes I cry, and sometimes I just can't get it right, no matter how hard I try. Yes, sometimes I fall down, and I stumble over my own disguise. I try to look strong, because the whole world's looking on. But to be honest with you, if you were honest with me and honest with yourself, there's sometimes that you don't have any other choice, but you just simply cry. Is that true? That's us. That's who we are. But God's desire for you and I is when you and I get to our wit's end is to remind ourselves that when we get to our wit's end, we'll find that God lives there. God lives there. And he's given us the power and he's made it all available for you and I to cooperate with him. Cooperating, participating in the divine nature with Almighty God. Wow. What a privilege. Amen. Father, we're grateful today. We're so grateful that you love us. We're so grateful that in times where we hurt and wonder if anybody else knows or cares, in the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our tears and struggles in the midst of that. We're reminded of your love. We're reminded of Calvary. All that went on there for us. But Father, you, you planned it all out and you were satisfied with what Jesus did. You brought him out of that, that tomb, that grave.
We serve a risen and a resurrected Savior who's building a place in glory for us right now. One of these days, we don't have to worry about all this stuff. The expectations, the desires you have for us, they will be fully accomplished because one of these days, amazingly, we're going to have a body like unto your glorious body. And in so many ways, we're going to be like you. But in the meantime, yes, the world is watching. And we have to live in this world that's watching. Because we've said we know you. And we love you. And that you can do anything but fail. And Lord, uh, by grace through faith, we have a relationship with you that if we allow the Spirit of God to work, if we're willing to participate in this process, the victories will come. We don't have the power. All you ask is for our obedience. That's all. To know, to trust, and obey. Lord, you're there. And even in our struggles, when it's all said and done, we realize how much you care and love us. And we realize the joy and privilege that it is, even in an earthly journey as difficult as it is, to have a Savior who understands and cares. Lord, help us to be more like Jesus as we go out the door today, maybe than we've ever been before. Not because we've got all the answers, but we know the one who does. Lord, help us step up and begin to participate with you in a new and unique way. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.